0: Church has taken many forms over the years, from the small communal origins in the book of Acts to the large-scale evangelical rallies made famous by the Billy Grahams and Reinhard Bonkies of the world. But here we are, in an era where church has come under the societal microscope through scandal after scandal, and where mainstream church for many is synonymous with hardcore conservatism and, sadly for some, exclusion. Of course for some people it's easy, and I'm so happy about that because I do believe that church serves a very important purpose. But Is it the only way to do life, faith and Christianity? Can you be a Christian and have a difficult title or even non-existent relationship with the church? I started the Unchurchable podcast because I believe it's a good thing to ask the hard questions and open ourselves up to learning from people, whoever they may be, and wherever God brings them across our path. I met Carrie Meyer about 12 years ago, we were both young, creative, naive and pretty hardcore evangelicals in what I would now probably describe as a heavily dominionist movement. 12 years on, we both left that movement, both deconstructed our faith and both found very different expressions. I found it difficult enough to deconstruct into progressive Christianity, but Carrie walked a harder path, really going deep and finding her way out of the past expression of spirituality and into one that was loaded with stigma. She has taught me a lot, and I love this woman for it. Carrie and I manifest our spirituality in very different ways. I'm a progressive Christian. She is an intuitive practitioner of chaos magic, and she's a spiritual coach. Yet the values that bind us together transcend our creeds. We both believe in compassion, kindness, inclusion, and love. We both cringe at toxic theology and do our best to help people live above it and find freedom from it. Carrie is wise and our conversations are long and full of herbal tea, or let's be honest in my case, a coffee with a dash of liqueur some days. When we caught up during the height of the coronavirus crisis, Carrie had some very important things to say, and I hope we can all listen. Come take this journey with us as we talk about the archetype of Christ, about working with the shadows in our lives instead of trying to deny they exist and practice only positive emotion, and finally, importantly, releasing the fear of hell. I'm Kit Kennedy and this is Unchurchable. Hi Carrie, how are you? (laughs) I'm great, Kit. How are you? <laughs> Very good. Now, this uh, oh, God, how many years ago was it that you and I formed kind of a two-person writers club mm. um, back when we were both in uh, in, in the same network of <laughs> churches that was that had a you – know, yeah. How many years ago was that? that? <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I think it was 2008 when we first met. Um, mm mm-hmm because we were attending the same kind of church conference kind of thing. And um, I remember feeling, like, so cool when you first spoke to me <laughs> um, because you just seemed so cool. Like, oh, that's flattery. <laughs> I, I remember the first ever thing you said to me was, Oh, you've got lots of younger brothers and sisters too. Let's commiserate together.
0: <laughs> <laughs> commiserate. Yes, yes, commiserate.
1: No, I think at that stage I actually didn't know the meaning of that word. So I was like, oh, I have to sound like I know what that means and then go look it up later.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I always had you down as far more articulate than me. That's really hilarious. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I was like always
1: like, oh, man. Kids so smart. <laughs> <laughs> you like what I did
0: there? Oh, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, this is it's interesting where life's taken us from then because at the time. Mm-hmm we're in the same network of churches. Our life journey has taken us both out of those churches. We've both had to face a lot of deconstruction. Mm -hmm. Um, Mine landed me in quite a uh, progressive Christian space. Yours led you to a little bit of a different space. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I want to talk about this because as people find their way out of church, there can be a lot of shame attached to the exploration of spirituality if it doesn't fall within the lines um, that evangelicalism especially especially had marked as okay. So can you tell me a little bit, the kind of the dot points, because I know it's a whole iceberg there, but of your journey out of evangelicalism and reclaiming your own spirituality?
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's a great question. And um. I feel like I've spoken about this so often now that I probably can give it to you in dot points. So, yes. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that it. my decision to leave Christianity it didn't come as a result of me not believing in Jesus anymore, and I feel mm-hmm. like that's really important for me to say because everyone's journey is so vastly, can be so vastly different. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, the... Leaving Christianity was actually a conscious choice. It was like a cognitive decision mm-hmm. rather than like this gradual unbelieving mm-hmm. um, because I was so traumatised. I couldn't listen to worship music. I couldn't pray. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder and I had mm-hmm. well-meaning Christians around me telling me that it was demonic spirits. Yeah. So it was just sort of adding to the further trauma. And it, it just got to the point where as you know, back in 2013, I had a suicide attempt because mm-hmm. I was just at the end of my tether. Mm-hmm. And what got me to sort of want to stay alive was a picture that I saw of my two youngest siblings. And I realized um, I can't do it for myself. I couldn't yeah. do it for my friends. I couldn't even do it for the rest of my family. But when I saw this picture of my two youngest siblings, it was the moment that I thought I have to do it for them. I can't add to their trauma. Yeah. Um, wow. Even further. Yeah, so I was like, well, if I'm gonna have to be alive in this world, I might as well make the most of it. Yeah, and it yeah. sounds quite nihilistic, but honestly, that was the start. It was like, okay, mm. I've got a, I've got a clean slate here, mm-hmm. and oh, and sorry, that,
0: yep. yeah, and that's a, it's a precious, uh, it's a precious moment where you go, okay, this is what I'm grounding myself on while I get through the guts of this yeah. trauma. But that's not all you're holding on to now, is it? Like. No. Uh, um life has become a far more I mean not without its complications and not without its up and down moments and I, and what I love about your um your online presence is you're really honest about the moments in which it's not rosy and and I suppose one of the things that I want to make sure that I always do is am honest with the struggle and not just with the, the big moments, but life has kind of grown for you since that moment, hasn't it? It's become more expansive.
1: Yeah. It really has. And, I mean, look, it was definitely a journey that began with lots of little steps. It wasn't mm-hmm. all those big moments. It was lots of little twists and turns, lots mm-hmm. of little nuances that made up the whole. And lots of it, it was a lot of experimenting, and it really started out with, a, you know, the basics, like literally looking into Islam, looking into mm-hmm. Hinduism, and... Um, Yeah. And it wasn't until I was probably, um, well, I was 24, 25 when all this happened. But when I met my friend Kezia in Melbourne, she had been raised Wiccan. And I thought that was really cool. And um, I had just sort of been interested in witchcraft as a way of, to be honest, reclaiming my spirituality Mm because it it was a way to rebel. Yeah. That was, I mean, it's not always the right thing to do. It's not, because, you know, trying to do something from a place of resistance mm-hmm. isn't always helpful. It can be. But when your spirituality is supposed to be a sanctuary, yeah. resistance is not helpful. But it was helpful at the start. Um but then it, it became something much deeper for me. So I started mm-hmm. with Wicca and Wicca wasn't right for me um after a little while because there were some things in Wicca that I felt um, didn't align with my values mm-hmm. and so I gradually moved on and found um, chaos magic which is something that to this day is really meaningful to me and also then even um, after that I wanted to start really getting in touch with my um, my African roots like on my mum's mm-hmm. side so I started looking at the um, African diaspora and the spiritual traditions associated mm-hmm. with that really just traced it back to Um, Nigeria, where the practice of Ifar originated, and Mm. I've been um, involved in, you know, Ifar and chaos magic sort of together. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so I'm really interested in this because um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but my Christianity, because like, I'm, I'm old. Well, I'm not oh old. God. I'm not 40 yet, guys. I'm, I'm <laughs> a long way off 40, but um, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still in the hot decade called the 30s. Hot <laughs> um, decade. Yeah, I mean, it's great because, like, I feel like the 20s, you're really fixing up a lot of mm. crap that happened in yeah. your younger time. <laughs> when you hit 30, you're like, all right, I'm owning my space. I'm comfortable mm-hmm. in my body. Anyway, that's a tangent, and we are so good at tangents, so bring it right back. (laughs) Good job. I grew up... I grew up listening to Carmen, and he had this song oh called "The Witch's Invitation." And I don't know, a lot of my evangelical friends, you'll know this this mm. song. is like this kind of spoken word poetry thing about this um, this really nasty confrontation. <laughs> but you know, it, technically, this is the witch's invitation here, and we're mm. sharing a cup of tea and um, mm. and actually talking about our values. Now, I loved what you were saying in that you wicked did align with your values because you Mm. kind of grew up um i kind of grew up believing that your values came from your christianity but i'm finding Mm. that that's not necessarily true it's certainly not true for obviously atheists but it's not true for you either your your values don't come from your spiritual practice your spiritual practice comes from your values is that what i'm hearing
1: yes yeah Um, i would say for the most i would say 80 percent yes and 20 percent Um, no, and I only say the 20% there because, because I do believe in always learning and always, Mm -hmm. um, expanding, I do want to be teachable Mm -hmm. and I know that's, that might be a bit of a triggering word for some of us because you know, that's used in the church, but, um, I do believe having a teachable attitude is really important and not necessarily just having other people teach us, but Mm -hmm. like teaching ourselves and being students of different, Ways of being in the world, mm-hmm. because yeah. I mean there are so many. I mean, like the the heart of esotericism and the occult is mystery, right? Yeah, okay, and yep. like that doesn't like the word occult literally just means concealed. And right. so, like as we've discussed before, you know, occult um, and esotericism, sorry, the occult and the esoteric are so inter- intertwined with Christianity um, yes. technically.
0: Yes. Um, now you'll have to you'll have to read this up on the blog, people. Mm. So we'll we'll throw the links up. But yeah, it, it was really interesting because I started looking at the practices of um, spiritual warfare in the church and going, "Oh my god, this is this is witchcraft." Okay. Um, but it's not necessarily witchcraft that has actually been um, looked at with the same degree of, of um, care okay. that. Because I noticed with your practice of spirituality, you are so careful to keep your hands clean and to keep That's your...
1: interesting. What do you mean by that? I'm so curious. Well, I mean, okay. It sounds, very, like a compl- it sounds like a compliment. Um, it is. And I want to say thank you, but I just want to understand <laughs> what it means first.
0: <laughs> well, like you said to me a while ago um, that you weren't comfortable with uh with hexing because mm-hmm. it was uh you know because it's taking control that's not yours to take or yeah. um you you said that like you're all, you've always been very ethical in the way that you've approached um witchcraft and I, I use air quotes there because I think there's so much stigma attached to the word and we'll talk about mm-hmm. that in a second but um there was a. I think. I think I showed you this. I think this was in one of our lengthy um, Facebook chats. But oh, <laughs> um, I think I the, know where
1: you're going with this one.
0: <laughs> the wake up. The wake up olive movement. Oh God, yes. It made me sick because they were like there was this grieving mother at the heart of it, um, and that like I think I think praying for people. I think I think we should believe in miracles. I think we should reach for the impossible, but to see people gather around this across the world and, and to be chanting wake up olive wake up olive and singing yes. to olive and not to olive's god or the giver oh. of life mm. it really it for me i was sitting here going oof this is this is an uncomfortable territory because we think we're doing the right thing mm. but are we really and i found that christianity or evangelicalism in my mind has taken a bit of creative license with some things over the years and gone well just because it's a you know this feels good to me the taking of power the dominionist Mm. doctrine it feels good to me so therefore it's my right and therefore it's godly well it's not necessarily it's taking power that might not be yours to take um that's uh, so so interesting
1: because mm. um i yeah i remember with those articles when we were talking like when i didn't mention about hexing and that i personally haven't really I haven't done it and I Mm. I don't really fully feel comfortable with it but um I have given a bit more thought to that and what I did say in that article was that you know context is so important because you know a lot of the times we're exposed to hexing um in terms of like the context of the African diaspora particularly Mm -hmm. through the media in the form of voodoo and hoodoo mm-hmm. and things like that, and um, it's yeah. voodoo and hoodoo are never really in the mainstream media portrayed in a positive light. Mm. And I mean, this is deliberate. It's a very colonialist kind of um, paradigm, and it's yeah. a very othering paradigm because yeah. we we have been so our Christianity, the Christianity of the West, is very very colonial. Colonial, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. When, when it comes to hexing and when I think about, you know, as a white passing woman of colour myself, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, my grandmother mm-hmm. and my mum and thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, what happens if they didn't come to Australia? What if they mm-hmm. were on the other side of Africa? What if my grandmother had been on the other side of Africa a few generations mm-hmm. before? She could have been taken to America,
0: mm-hmm. you know?
1: And um, when you think about the brutality and the injustices that... Um, particularly, you know, people of colour in Africa went through mm-hmm. during the Atlantic slave passage. And then, of course, the legacy of slavery that yeah, gosh. took place and still endures, um, we have so much powerlessness there. And so I think that, I mean, there are still many people in communities like the, in the Hoodoo community and the Voodoo community who do practise, like, hexing and stuff. And I remember once with one of my IFAR mentors, I I made a, I made sort of like a passing comment about how I didn't like those traditions because of the hexing and cursing. And she Mm. said, you know, you need to make sure that you're not being judgmental. You don't Mm. know where these people are in their journey. Just keep your eyes on your own prayer mat, so to speak. And I was like, yeah, I've been chastised. But I I had to be because I don't. And Mm. if I had had my family being killed, raped, taken into slavery, you know, there were like brothels set up in America specifically for men, straight African men who had been brought over as slaves to be used as homosexual Ugh. slaves just for the sake of humiliation. Like, oh, my God. I would probably resort to hexing too. Yeah, right, yeah. To be yeah. honest. Like if that mm. was my only form of, um, if my, my only fallback yeah. in such a powerless situation, I might potentially do it. So um, I think that's partly to go back to the question about Wicca yeah. Um, partly why I had to move on from Wicca. Mm-hmm. Um, because Wicca has um, sort of the rule of three, which is like, you know, whatever you say or do will come back to you. Mm-hmm. And it just really didn't sit well with me because I thought, in a sense, that's kind of a curse and it's kind wow. of limiting. And the reason that I chose chaos magic as, well, the, the reason that chaos magic spoke to me is that because it, is because it uses belief as a tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really puts us in the driver's seat and um, helps us to consciously make decisions about what we believe and why in order to get the results that we want
0: yeah, yeah. and this I think is a point that we can really that, that I really see my own journey in yeah. um, <laughs> you've kind of you've kind of made me really confront my own judgments about mm. um about spirituality and about other spirituality and I think yeah the the comment about colonialism really rings true with me because growing up evangelical if you didn't if you didn't convert people to your particular stream of belief then they were unsaved and um you know
1: consolation i've been there too girl and yeah my- being a self-hating person of color too like, <laughs> to be actually so indoctrinated to believe your own people and your own heritage are evil my yeah. sister one of my sisters was in church once and they were doing like the you know prophesying and um, mm-hmm. speaking in tongues over her yeah. and the intercessor and one of those really ridiculous intercessors to like <laughs> <laughs> like a they're like a caricature like parody yeah. of an intercessor, like I'm the most spiritual one in this church and I, think yeah. I hear everything more clearly. She looks straight into my sister's eyes and goes, You have voodoo in your eyes.
0: And then she <laughs> proceeded to
1: try to cast it out. And now I'm like, I wish someone would tell me I had a voodoo in my eyes. That would be the coolest
0: <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> because it would actually be speaking to your heritage and yes. <laughs> i mean that's not a bad thing so so there has to be yeah so like that comment of of not being judgmental Mm. of other people's journeys and keeping your eye on your own prayer mat i think Mm. is really important part of reclaiming spirituality because i think a lot of and i think that's what this conversation is about we were going to talk about Mm. the archetypes and stuff like that but Mm. i think reclaiming spirituality is a really important thing to Mm. kind of sit on um after I left evangelicalism, I mean, I guess technically I'm probably still evangelical because I go to a Baptist church, although right. because of coronavirus I'm not going to anything for the foreseeable future. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, when I, I left that kind of, um, I guess, neo-charismatic stream of, of, um, of evangelicalism, I, it's really taken me a long time and perhaps even till recently to release The pressure on myself to live out my faith through the judgments of others because really my faith my relationship with spirituality my exploration of the divine and my search for the ultimate type of Mm. ethics um or ethic to live by that's my business um you know so how did you reclaim that because obviously like you have walked into one of the big taboos that, mm. that Christianity has kind of built walls up in it, and that's about, you know, the occult when yeah. ironically Christianity for a long time, well, you know, technically it's a cult too because it's built around a person, the person well, of Jesus. Well, it is and it's, mm. I
1: mean there's two things I want to say to that. Um, the So there was the first question which was <laughs> how did I navigate yeah. um, exploring something
0: that was so taboo?
1: Uh, Yes, and reclaim
0: your right to be the person who decides what your spirituality is about. Right? Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. So and the second part was about Christianity being occult. Mm. So um, I would say just on that second point for for starters that Mm. um, I still believe Christianity is occult and I don't actually believe that's bad. Yeah. Here's why. Because, I mean, just because something is concealed doesn't mean it's evil. Just because something is dark too doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's evil. I mean, I really believe that we have such a terrible relationship to our shadows and we have such a terrible relationship with the darkness Mm -hmm. and this is why we had so much repression Mm -hmm. when we were in the church. Mm -hmm. And we were taught to shun our feelings. We were taught that our feelings were unspiritual. Mm -hmm. We were taught that thinking negative thoughts was unspiritual, Mm -hmm. evil. But it's like, what if they are just as much reality as the positive things? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what if we stopped labeling them bad and good, and actually just started labeling them as like what actually just is?
0: Yeah, and I love this. Yeah,
1: I that in my whole relationship to my whole self has changed as I've learned about embodiment mm-hmm. and understanding that, like. If I think that I am separate, I'm going to have, like, if I if I believe that my mind and my heart and my body are all separate mm-hmm. and my thoughts and my feelings are evil and my flesh is evil and, you know, mm-hmm. there's this separate essential part of me that mm-hmm. is holy and pure, then I'm going to, that's like a recipe for mental illness. Can we just say that for starters? <laughs> like, I yes. believe that that contributed so much, I believe, to the fragmentation of my personality mm-hmm. and, um
0: no I yeah that's interesting and Mm. what we assign to uh, I like your use of the term shadow there Mm. um I've just finished reading this book which started off with a just a fantastic premise Mm. but just ended up a horrible mess in terms of fiction writing and anyway it's called (laughs) the story of M and it's about a society in which people start to lose their shadows and their shadows actually turn out to to be the places where their memories are stored now obviously it's it's kind of speculative fiction or whatnot but um mm. and I think it was a disappointment the story didn't go the way I wanted it right. to and and I, it was a new author and you know anyway that's another tangent but mm. I, it started me thinking about the things we assigned to shadows because obviously um uh, the topic of sexuality and mm. and church is a really important one to me because yeah. um the people that you know a <laughs> number of people that are nearest and dearest to me are actually um you mm. know they yeah yeah, queer Mm -hmm. I I never know what to say because I know I'm sitting in a place of straight privilege here but yeah um and I've had to sit yeah cool 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 cool. (laughs) um and and it's been like I've had to grapple with the 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 way that church has made these beautiful people who are absolutely Mm -hmm. loved by God absolutely treasured by God absolutely part of the rich tapestry That we call the human race, that is, you know, designed in my mind by God. And there's the vacuum cleaner going in the background, guys. Hopefully, I can edit that out.
1: Hardly
0: audible. I've had to sit there and think. Like we assigned those attractions and those gender identities to be dark or to be bad, but also growing up in purity culture, we Mm. we put the whole area of attraction and sexuality in the bad box yeah. until you ticked this box that said married and then it was supposed to flip over from the shadow and into the light like yeah. but you know still wow. don't talk about it and don't like you know a lady doesn't talk that. about that's her sex so life
1: true that's really you need to write a blog entry on that or something i want to read that article i want to read that blog entry please. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that's uh please yeah give you a few been, years like, on that minutes saying actually and like you were mentioning before about how we were originally going to talk about the archetype of the Christ I feel like what we're talking about right now is actually a perfect segue into that really because, okay go yeah, <laughs> well, like when when you think about shadows I mean that term really the way we use it the context in which we use it these days come is like it's a Jungian term uh-huh. so um archetype being what they are that they're also like they're a Jungian theory and approach to psychology and working with yeah. the subconscious um and so you'll find that a lot of people who are involved in like um like alternative spiritual communities and witchcraft and stuff they tend to work with archetypes quite mm-hmm. a lot. They're not inherently um witchy. I mean mm-hmm. it's it's literally psychology and it's mm-hmm. a theory too. Like we've got to remember that it's not a subscribed form of, you know, practical yeah. spiritual practice. But this is where, again, chaos magic comes in for me. So you can take whatever you want and you can make it spiritual because it's about the results that you want to get at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And when we think about, well, first of all, let me just talk about what the Christ archetype is. The Christ mm-hmm. archetype is the union of opposites. as um, According to Jung, that's what it is, the union yeah. of opposites. So basically this is the, the character within a narrative that serves the function to bridge the gap between two worlds. Okay. So when you think of Christ, he bridges the gap between heaven and earth, Mm -hmm. humanity and God. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you think about the archetype as being something that is inherent to all of us on like a deep psychic level, that we all have um, a part of this archetype operating in us at some point on some level, Right, like a way to empower ourselves. So, if we like think about um, the, ter- the, the the verse, you know, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Yeah. If you look at that, I mean, this could be sound quite um, what's the word blasphemous to some <laughs> people, I suppose. But um, this is how this has been a big part of me reconciling my relationship to Jesus after mm-hmm. being abused. Mm-hmm. Was understanding that Christ in me, the hope of glory, is like I am my hope of glory. And that Christ is a sort of consciousness. I mean, I I do believe in the supernatural personally. I am mm-hmm. not just um, I'm not like a, just a humanist or anything. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that Christ, his example in the Gospels, was that of a protagonist, as someone as, Christ, as um Jung said, the self-realized one. Mm-hmm. When you look at him playing out his purpose and his function, um, yeah. his destiny in the Bible amongst the backdrop of um. The environment where he was raised and the people who he was amongst like he was the most self-realized one of all Mm -hmm. and you see this archetype in pretty much like all the main um protagonists of mainstream films and books people like harry potter yes frodo baggins this archetype exists all the time but when when we talk about the shadow as well like christ also has a shadow and that shadow is like okay so there's this in hermetic spirituality there is, uh, there's something known as the seven um, hermetic laws of the universe. Okay. And one of those laws is the law of polarity. Mm-hmm. And basically the idea is that everything in life exists on a spectrum. So yeah. one of the most, um, some of the most... Um, easily understandable examples of this would be like you know light and dark being at opposite ends of the spectrum yes where you slide the pointer up that spectrum will you know determine how much light there is or how much dark there is yeah and that there is you know dark is only dark in relation to how much light Mm -hmm. there is and so you know and and vice versa just like with temperature you know so like Thirty-eight degrees is cold in relation to fifty degrees, but it's hot in relation to twenty degrees. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, and so then, we, if we if we think about it in like even more abstract terms, like gender, which we uh, many of mm. us are familiar with, you know, yeah. we understand that gender is a spectrum and that masculine and feminine can be something that is expressed on a sliding scale, mm-hmm. um, without like taking away. From the essence of either like yeah someone, you know what I mean so a man can be feminine and still be a man and a yep. woman can be a woman and st- you know what I mean so, yeah. yeah 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 um when we think about um, archetypes on a spectrum you have Christ on one end and Satan on another and
0: <laughs> can you like, hear my children screaming really like banshees hear. in the it's back
1: gorgeous. <sighs> well, it's probably not gorgeous for you but no <laughs>
0: i'm I'm texting patrick to say i'm totally recording right now can you take the banshee outside (laughs) 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 oh dear anyway sorry i've interrupted a really good flow
1: there (laughs) no no it's fine it's fine um so yeah it's sort of like when you think about that christ and satan were in some ways they were like children of god on the same level like Mm. Like, I mean, there is no proof to say that they weren't on the same level, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you think about that, like, Satan is almost like a shadow of Christ. Um, yeah. And
0: yeah, even that's though
1: there are some literalist interpretations of the Bible, of course, could be that, well, why did God have to set himself up to be higher than everybody else? And was it really proud of satan to want to elevate himself to god's level and all that and like from a literal perspective and from like an anarchist perspective you're like yeah fuck hierarchy and sorry <laughs> i just <swore> you. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: do you know what we'll, we'll just leave it it's fine
1: Okay. <laughs> you know and so from that perspective i'm like yeah satan's amazing but then like then from a not a literalist perspective but from like an actual esoteric like heartfelt perspective like god is not We've got to stop looking at it literally and understand that God is representative of that oneness that we all yeah. are a part of. Mm. And so, what Christ did was he surrendered to that oneness by quote unquote obedience to God. Yeah. And Satan deviated from that oneness by his quote unquote disobedience. So, I don't think it's about be obedient, be disobedient, like those two, not in such literal yeah. terms. It's about do you value the ultimate oneness that we are here to live out Mm. or do you value the self and individuality more than oneness?
0: Now this I think is really worthy of sitting on for a minute because Mm. if we scrutinise our personal walks with faith, Mm. And spirituality, whatever we call that, whether we call it a belief in a greater power or whether we call it church or whether we call, yeah. you know, whatever it is, uh, when we look at that, that oneness, are, are we trying to, no? are we working with it or are we working against it? Mm. I think that's really interesting. I, I found that after I left neo-charismatic evangelicalism, right. I wasn't trying to save people anymore. I wasn't trying to reach them anymore. Um, I was, and in that moment, it became instantaneously easier for me to connect with people on a basis of faith because I was just sharing my life and it was from an equal place. I love that. I sat and had some beautiful conversations with people who were from all walks of life and all different expressions of faith and I started to realise that, that power distance that I'd sat myself in when I was, um, you know, when I was still in that old movement had actually been really off-putting to people because they're like, yuck, I'm not less than you. I'm not, you know, I'm not less worthy than you. And um, I, I found that, these conversations could be a lot more rich and we could just sit and talk about our experience of life. Yeah, And that's when I started to realise that, hey, people with their, you know, with their incense or their crystals or their, you know, various different beliefs that might come from mm. different forms of, you know, like, like many of the things that you've mentioned, They're good people that are trying to find an ethical way of being in the world that serves their conscience, that serves their values, and that makes their experience of life better. So how dare I come in on my high horse and Mm -hmm. say, you are not part of the oneness, you are not part of the divine. Um, You know, I am a Christian. I am Mm. still a Christian. But... I've you know I've booked an intuitive session with you because I I want to know the work that you do in helping people understand what's going on within Mm. their souls but this this idea of oneness is really fascinating because right now we're sitting in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and there's this fracturedness that's been exposed in society I think um, because we've all had to isolate in our own homes and we've all had Mm. to We've all had to learn a better way of connecting with each other. We've all had to learn a better way of looking after our mental health during this time. We can't attend church, but... I, I sometimes wonder how much of a facade that is anyway because we're going once a week to get our fix served up to us on a tidy yeah. platter by somebody else. Yeah. Um, but what is our own experience of spirituality and of of um, being one with God and, and one with our brothers and sisters on earth and being, you know, good stewards of the earth? I think that's yeah. another part of oneness. Um, it's just a fascinating thing to me, but it comes yeah. back to colonialism, doesn't it? Yeah. The colonialism that I see. In let's just call it for what it is, white Christianity with our yeah. white Jesus, even though it was Middle Eastern people. Um, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's very colonial. It's very um, it, it, there's this energy in it that kind of takes power away from people by making them an other who needs to be yeah. converted or redeemed. It's true, it's That's totally big. true. I love
1: That's this. A- <laughs> I love it, and it means so much to me to hear like progressive Christians talking about this stuff. Mm. um and it feels really good like i mean as you said before we've we've like had a journey in our mm-hmm. friendship mm-hmm. and i'm so lucky i'm so grateful that we're friends and it's, it's i know it's been so healing and nourishing and enriching for both of us mm-hmm. to relate even though we have different uh spiritual worldviews. we have yeah the same values and my friend brady he he always says we have to have relationships based on values, not beliefs.
0: Yeah, and I Ooh. love
1: that. Isn't that good? If you mm. want a good guest on your show, Brady mm. from the Life After podcast. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's great. Um, but that's, yeah, so
0: that's interesting because compassion, mm. core value for both of us.
1: Yeah,
0: um, truth. Um, social justice, yeah, heavy core values for both of us. Um, yeah, I think, and
1: I think to be honest, I mean, when we think, oh God, it's making me tear up a little bit. <laughs> when I think about it, I mean, the reason we are at where we're at today is because all along, despite all the ups and downs and the things that stood in the way of us being where we're at, mm. um, we always had the same values. Yep. Always, yeah. And what stood in the way? Um, for both of us, because we were both <laughs> deeply indoctrinated, mm-hmm. and there was so much religious abuse that we had to endure, that mm-hmm. affected all of our relationships. And so mm-hmm. when when I began to navigate my own spirituality separate from what we had been um, experiencing within that very insular community, it, it was disruptive. Yeah,
0: and yeah,
1: what it brought up, it wasn't, it didn't bring up our dissimilar values. It just brought up the dogma it's mm-hmm. like because that's what dogma is dogma is that thing that it's not alive it's this dead unmoving thing yeah. that just it clings onto us and yeah. it's like i don't know how i'd explain it kind of like a cage yeah almost just like it's it's this really heavy yang sort of like yeah. energy that just is about structure and um yeah yeah staying in place and there's a place for structure and there's a there's a place for support yeah um, but if we're staying in a certain place at the expense of being true mm-hmm. that's like really dangerous territory um yeah. and we both know what that's like we yeah, so
0: yeah. it's funny when you say you're know, kind of grappling for an, an explanation on dogma mm-hmm. i'll tell you what i visualize and it is a hundred percent due to the fact that I'm a visual person. The term yes. "dog" appears in that word.
1: That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> I see the three headed dog from Harry Potter. That's oh, like, oh
1: <laughs> god, that's
0: which is amazing. kind of getting in their way, getting in the way of progress. Yes. Um, I my experience of of I guess stepping into progressive Christianity mm. has been a willingness to actually look at these various different doctrines that made up the dogma that I'd kind of lived by Mm. and going, is this true in the world? Is this true for me? Is it helpful in the world? Is it helpful for me? Um, And the more I look at the Bible, the more I see things that are just been hidden in plain sight. Yeah, this is true. Which gets takes me back to the word occult, which you said meant hidden or concealed. Yes. Um, and the es- that esotericism and the occult had been about mystery and about concealment. Now,
1: yeah,
0: what I, and and I think it was an important. I mean,
1: think about. I mean, think about Joseph.
0: The <laughs> Bible. Yeah, I mean, can we not talk about a magician? Yeah, uh
1: huh. Like, what well, the actual hey hey? That and is but, a magician.
0: <laughs> but no, like let's let's move away from Joseph. Daniel, he was the chief of the musicians Thank and you. the chief of the astrologers, and it says <laughs> in the Bible that he was something. I don't know how the go look up the verse, people, but something about being brought in, no, that God brought the prince of the eunuchs into. Basically, a, a, like a romantic or carnal love with Daniel. I mean, what does that mean? But that's a whole oh, other I mean, thing. That
1: oh, mm. yeah, know, I remember, I remember Pat saying that it was like, yeah, there was, t- was a tenderness.
0: Yeah, but it was yeah. something that, that, like, kind of like, oh, that's something Yeah, it's a, yeah mm, look at sounds that. A little bit, gay. Sounds a little bit gay. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's 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 a, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that sounds a little bit gay. Yeah. once you look at it. It's <laughs> hidden in plain sight, but. I find, like, I think we need to come back to that point that you raised earlier: that not everything that is hidden, not everything that is hidden is bad, mm-hmm. and not everything that is exposed and accepted um, on a on a grand scale is good. And right. the, I think, a good spiritual journey to be on, however this spiritual journey manifests for you. And I find it interesting that you still believe in, in God and in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Very but much that's actually. not, like yeah, more than
1: in in such a pure way, like probably more pure than ever before because I don't have to believe in him now right and yeah. i don't feel scared Yeah. i don't believe in hell anymore um, yeah so yeah it's sort of like yeah and, and it's, can i just can i just like say a thing is it a thing yeah. Nice kind of yeah. yeah because when you were talking before about you know our current um the, you know we're, we're in this crisis this yeah. pandemic and we're all finding ourselves at home and we're we're doing life, and we're having to find new ways of being in the world that we haven't been we haven't had to do before mm-hmm. um, and I just really feel like it's like a really powerful time for us like yeah, because where we were like rushing and being busy and mm-hmm. hiding
0: mm-hmm.
1: we were there's so much hiding in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and our culture of business and commerce and trade and service, mm-hmm. it's really hard for a lot of us to be with ourselves. Yeah. And one of the things I remember when I was a Christian, I remember asking, not, uh, I'd have this question pop up mm-hmm. against my will every now and then. And it would be, would I believe in Jesus if there was no help? And my answer was no. And Oof. I would quickly squash it down because I was like, you cannot Go like it was a rabbit hole, and I knew if I answered, if I sought out deeper answers to that for myself, I would probably deconvert. And yeah, um, I I just I didn't want that because there was yes, there was a part of me that still loved God, and also I was you know I was like well I don't want to deconvert because if I believe in hell, I don't want to go there. Yeah. Um, But I also did the same thing when I was a part of the abusive church. I was a part of. I would go home and I would cry every night Mm. and i pray for God to make our past to stop being abusive, mm. and it never happened. And mm. well, that's I also believe because you know we all have choices too. We yeah. don't realize our own power, like yeah. to be able to walk away. I'm not yeah. talking about the power imbalance, and I'm not talking about you know situations where vulnerable people are exploited. That's mm-hmm. a different story. But yeah. you know, like. I don't look at those situations and go, "Oh, God didn't do anything." I don't think that that's what yeah. I, how I would describe it. But anyway, I'm digressing. That what I was saying was like, I would be praying that my pastor would stop. I hate, like, I was terrified yeah. of her and I mm-hmm. hated her as a person, but I couldn't let myself go deep. Mm-hmm. And I think that if I could say anything to your listeners right now is that in this time, face your shadows. Yeah, like in the stillness. This is the time where if you want to run away from what is popping up for you, this is yeah. the time to mm-hmm. be with it and to, like, face yourself. Yeah. That's where your healing is.
0: Wow. Yep. Yeah. Face yourself. Face your shadows because that's where your healing is. I love that. One of the books that I um, was was helping a person put together, mm. he said... That we have to, like, when things fall apart, we have to sit in the wreckage and look at it, and we have to make sense of it instead of just avoiding it and numbing the pain by moving on to the next thing. And, um, and what I look this this interview's gone way longer than I than I kind of said it would.
1: Right.
0: Sorry. No, don't be, because I've (laughs) kind of I've kind of loved every minute of it, and I'm definitely going to interview again because there's so many rabbit holes we can go down here, but. What I wanted to talk about, and I think it's a really important thing, is you've had to move from that, uh, and both of us have had to Mm. take the locus of control of our faith and spirituality from being in somebody else's hands and we've had to take it back to our own hands. We've had to look at the different dogmas that we were living by. We've had to deconstruct it. We've had to ask whether it's helpful. We've had to realise that our values come from inside us as well as externally we've had to scrutinize that but one thing that I struggle with still and that I know a lot of ex-evangelicals who still want to hold on to faith in some way but might be making life choices that bring them up against some of their dogma or that are wrestling with things is this fear of hell Mm -hmm. um I know that after we, our life circumstances changed quite dramatically. Right. Every time one of the kids got sick or every time there was a bill, there's this moment look, yeah. that we weren't expecting. There was this moment of, is this the judgment of God? Like yeah. um, there was this, like I called <laughs> when I was pregnant with um, our youngest daughter, um, mm. <laughs> I called my husband because I thought I was, in labour, right? <laughs> Thank God I wasn't because I she was literally I pushed for a minute with that girl and she was out. But oh wow, he, he never would have made it. But so he's driving back from a town forty-five minutes away right. where he worked, and he gets pulled over by the cops, okay. <laughs> who inform him that the car that he'd been driving <laughs> to work for a government department for the last year, right, was not registered because Vic Rhodes had changed over the registration like we used to have a sticker that they'd send us and so you knew when your car wasn't registered to being an online thing and somehow we'd missed it. So like he thinks I'm in labour and he gets pulled over and the car's not registered and um and we can't drive it and and he came home and um there was this moment like he looked like he just looked horrible and I was like babe you know what's going on he's you know and he goes I know it's stupid but I had this moment of is this the judgment of God and I said no it's the judgment of your wife who knows you're really disorganized (laughs) (laughs) but you know that Mm. fear of and what I found is No such thing has happened. Life is Mm. nothing like I expected, but it's beautiful and it's beautiful in the up moments and it's beautiful in the down moments and it's beautiful in the happiness and it's beautiful in the pain. It just is. And the more I can stop fighting what it's supposed to be, the more I'm able to go, you know what? Life is not something that happens to me. Life is something I participate in, and yes. it's an adventure that it's going to unfold as it unfolds. But the fear of hell—how mm-hmm. do you release the fear of hell?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, there's a few different components to this question, and mm-hmm. um, I want to be as thorough and efficient at the same time <laughs> as I can possibly. Yeah. So let's yeah. try. Okay. So I think you covered the first. The first things. A couple of things that you just said then like I feel like they're that that's the basis of it right mm. it's it's really you've got to do the shadow work
0: mm-hmm. because
1: it's really interesting like when we talk about witchcraft or when people think about witchcraft they do tend to have this sort of like Harry Potter idea of like <laughs> what it could potentially be and um you know that you could wave a proverbial wand and it yeah. will disappear and I don't, I don't know if that kind of stuff exists, but I, I don't necessarily believe it does, but mm-hmm. it certainly doesn't exist in my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What it is, it is about, I guess the definition of witchcraft is this, it's to manifest your intent. So it's mm-hmm. to have an intention and then manifest it. So mm-hmm. if your intention is to heal something, then the process of making that happen is a form of witchcraft. Okay. And that is, so doing shadow work. It's like the way I describe it in my coven group, like with mm-hmm. the women um, that are, sorry, my bad, lots of different people actually, not mm-hmm. just women, um, mm-hmm. that the body is sort of like a cauldron, our mm-hmm. life is kind of like a cauldron and everything, all the decisions that we make and the thoughts that we think, the people we relate to, it, they're like the ingredients that we throw into the cauldron mm. and as we put the heat up, as we, it, we we alchemize, Right, this witch's brew so Mm -hmm. again it's a very hermetic term alchemy like mental alchemy it's the it's the transmutation of raw matter into something else right and if we take that from like a literal perspective and use it in a sort of um figurative metaphysical kind of way a spiritual kind of process turn it into a spiritual process everything we do is a form of alchemy and so what i like to do is like in my sessions i have like i try to explain to my clients it's like being in a cauldron together Mm -hmm. and it's not just me like with even though i call it intuitive guidance and energetic healing i'm not the only one participating like the other person's energy needs to fully be in it as well because we alchemize together and i just take the things that i have learned and i share the things that are popping up for me intuitively right but i'm only there to guide i'm not there to control
0: yeah Um, and so an important distinction
1: (laughs) yes absolutely absolutely so like yeah doing the shadow work and facing yourself is a start of it because i know this sounds really cheesy and it almost sounds like it's not the answer you're looking for but when you believe in hell you are living in hell Oof. Right? Does that make sense?
0: Yes, yes. Because I I was saying to Patrick, it used to be so clear how we'd raise our kids. Like, and I Mm -hmm. said to him, I don't want them to go to hell. And he says, Well, for me, church is hell.
1: Yeah, hell. And I mean, I guess to use more like what you would say, what we would call woo woo language, is like hell is a frequency. Heaven is a a frequency. And right. the chaos and the turmoil of how we've lived it. Yeah. You've lived it. I've lived it. Yeah. And totally. When we understand that everything is energy, and this comes back to alchemy too, because even in. Physics: Energy cannot be destroyed or created; it's simply transformed. and I so was going to say, the there's of alchemy. Yeah, there's
0: recent uh, research out that has kind of measured that. I think it's the magnetic field or the energetic mm. field of the heart up to three meters outside the body. Yes. So, I mean, this is not woo-woo. This no. is there's laws of Science. physics here. Yes. So, when you say manifesting your intent, so if mm. my intent is to lose weight, for example, mm. yes. If I'm manifesting my intent by changing the way I eat, by meditating over night time so that I'm lowering my stress levels so that I can lower my inflammation levels, if I'm taking vitamins, if I'm getting out and walking and if if I'm exercising, then that's all manifesting my intent. It
1: is, and that is how I would describe, and most magical practitioners, that is how we would describe magic. (gasps) Holy, not even holy a cow. that's what I've been saying. Christianity, like people Christianity in witchcraft, like semantics I guess don't matter in this regard because you you yeah. need to take control of the language that works for you. Like yeah. you know what I mean? But um mm. it's not as scary as it's made out. To be I and mean, yeah. it can it can be. I want to yeah. actually also say that there are, not everyone in these communities is good uh, is good because th- yeah. there are people, right? There are some really problematic people in pagan yeah. witchcraft community. I mean, I could go on. Yeah. Like, to, to finish answering your question about help, yeah, start with the shadow work. Commit to alchemy. Yeah, alchemizing your life. Then mm-hmm. that is a start. But one of the next really powerful tools for me when I began to deconstruct that part of my life was and I know this sounds blasphemous but hear me out do like literally do the things that you weren't allowed to do before yeah um just to do it Mm -hmm. um make yourself feel uncomfortable I'm not saying Mm -hmm. be reckless I mean there were times in my life where I was reckless because I was trying to do this yeah um but I was also at the end of my tether with mental illness and stuff Mm -hmm. because I was traumatized yeah make calculated risks and try things that you felt were taboo before, that mm-hmm. you've always wanted to try, take yeah. that lid off your life. Stop being living in a state of repression and actually explore and experiment. It doesn't yeah. have to be huge things, and then calculated you, risks. Calculated yeah, calculated risks. And the reason you do this, and this is a really big part of this deconversion process, especially in relation to hell mm-hmm. and um, demonic spirits. In you know, in terms of like spiritual warfare, yeah, is we always, we always. Try to look out for the times that lightning's going to strike us, right? Mm-hmm. But how about we, as a thought experiment, when we're doing all of this experimentation yep. and exploration, how about as a thought experiment, we start consciously paying attention to all the times lightning doesn't strike?
0: Ooh, bam! I mean, that's not yeah. a pun. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that's
1: right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah yeah so if we consciously do that and this is why for me again the belief as a tool in chaos magic is to literally sort of almost remove yourself from the center of your thought process and Mm -hmm. like look at your thinking from the outside um and you can just sort of almost see your thoughts as like little like a collage almost 100 you can move them around yeah we don't actually have to be slaves to them we feel like we are but let's remember our feelings are not our thoughts and our thoughts are not our feelings.
0: Oh, to important distinction them, too. It's
1: huge because it becomes what's called conflation in yep. psychological terms, right? We conflate yes. our feelings with our thoughts. Um, so it's it's really important to go is this a feeling that I have? Do I feel like I'm going to go to hell because of this? Yeah. Or do I think I'm going to go to hell because of this?
0: Yeah. Wow. There are some, look, there. I think that's a good place to mm. end this interview on yeah. and to encourage people to do the shadow work and look for the times that lightning doesn't strike. Mm. Um, I really liked what you said, that, that heaven is a frequency and that hell is a frequency. Mm. It actually reminds me of a book that C.S. Lewis wrote mm. called The Great Divorce and oh. it, it, it really painted it painted a very vivid picture of that that very thought right there um i think right now in the time of coronavirus there's it's it's an interesting you know obviously it's awful what's happening out there but it's also a moment where we can take stock and we can take those moments to face the shadows and to look at our life realize that we are in a position to change anything we want to change about it, we are not victims of circumstance. We are able to engage in a little bit of alchemy, <laughs> and yeah. we're able to take back the reins and start manifesting something that we actually like. Carrie Meyer, thank you so much. This won't be the last interview oh that, girl, that you have.
1: Last, I can talk with you forever. This is so fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you. I know, and it's it's killing me to hit stop now. that I'm going to <laughs> do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> So there you have it, Carrie Meyer raising some really interesting points for us today. Look, I'm sure there is a point in my life at which I would have found it uh, quite uncomfortable to sit at the feet of somebody who has quite a different view of spirituality to me and really hear the wisdom in in her words but um, I always find my conversations with Carrie to be truly enlightening and to cause me to really look at my own intentions and my own practices to make sure that I'm holding myself to the highest standard of ethics that I can and isn't that something that we should all be shooting for Uh, you can find Carrie Meyer on uh, Instagram and on Twitter as well as on Facebook I believe I might be quoting the wrong thing there but check my socials for the links next week Tune in while I talk to Lance Pyburn from Brave New Love. Lance is talking about resilience, authenticity and finding our value on the inside of us. Something that we should all uh, listen to in the time of coronavirus, I'm sure. I'm Kit Kennedy. See you next week.